2: Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now, Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin!
1: Unknown goal from Ruddock. Four-by-break oh, here for Kiwabia.
2: Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores! Yeah. Goal leg! Hit leg! Hit leg over the
1: top! Now!
0: Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back
3: him to score quickly, yes
4: or no? Yes. Oh, oh. he has No!
3: Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? It's Series 8, Episode 3. I'm Chris Gold and joining me, as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And? Oh, sorry, was I doing one? I thought you said, I'll do one.
2: Yeah, but I, when you started talking, I presumed you'd taken the bull by the horns. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> episode three, this isn't pre-season, we're dropping points already here. <laughs> How are you, Michael? Good, yeah, very well. What, is that
3: it? We're not going to intro? Yeah, it.
2: yeah, we're past it time. <laughs> I think that's the way we ride this out, isn't it? Um, thank you all for uh, listening. Uh, this is a superb episode. It's one of the ones where uh, Michael and Chris feel like they're probably morally less kind of pure because they don't support a lower league football team i'd say that's how i describe this
4: i do leave with a sense of guilt from these episodes yeah Yeah.
3: and and you make really as a West ham fan and now we're kings of europe it really does make you feel sorrow for the smaller clubs that don't have (laughs) such an elite existence
2: (laughs) because this is a timeless show chris (laughs) Um, do you yeah. want to say what the current situation is for West Ham and how you think it will finish? It's current. We're currently fourth in Premier League,
3: and I think we're gonna we're gonna qualify for the Champions League. I really, I'm, I'm, I'm there now, and I, I, I don't doubt. I like. I'm so confident this won't age badly. What I've just
2: said. Right. We've got so much great correspondence, uh, as I always say. But you know, this is the electronic postbag. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Postbag. You've got mail. Right. Who did we discuss last week? Was it John Venenegor of Hasselink? Yeah. Chris? Of course, yeah. Would you like to see his name on the back of his shirt when he played for Hull? (laughs) He played for Hull? He played for Hull. Well, this is what his shirt looked like. If you'd like to describe it to me, I'll just WhatsApp it to you now. (laughs) <laughs> That's just ridiculous
3: Oh my god
2: The name wraps entirely around the number If it was a clock face The name would start at 8 o'clock And finish earlier. at 4 o'clock I think it starts yeah, think at 7 Starts at 7 and finishes at 5 o'clock <laughs> Yeah. Do you, I think it, do you think
4: he's insisted on that? Or like the kit man has just gone oh, I'm
2: going to have a laugh here Well is this the normal thing he does? I don't know. This is from Michael Shields, by the way. Is this normally how he... I don't know enough to know whether this is an exception or the rule. I tell you what, no parents paying for their kid to get that shirt, are they?
3: (laughs) (laughs) The name would cost more than the shirt.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now sit back and get ready to bristle because we've got an unpopular opinion from Patrick Lydane. We occasionally get these, don't we? And they're always good. Good morning, gents. Having heard Josh's great opinion on the 1966 World Cup being shit, I wanted to share my thoughts on a seemingly unchallenged topic. The majority of famous goals where players dribble for ages and then score are not good goals. Yeah. You're yeah. On well, hold on a minute. This this feels like an email you ran in, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I agree with this.
4: From washjiddakum at gmail.com.
2: <laughs> this is from Patrick Ledain. Running with the ball for a while when defenders are backing off and not trying to tackle you is not skillful. What? For many legendary goals, legendary in quotation marks, the ball control is awful and the player just bumbles it through the other team with very little skill. Examples. George Weyer versus Verona.
4: Okay, I agree there. That is very overrated, that goal. He is so for The player's back off for
2: ages, weak finish.
4: Okay, yeah. That evidence is admissible.
2: Saeed Al O'Aren versus Belgium, 1994 World Cup. Shocking control and absolutely flukes it past all challenges. Ryan Giggs versus Arsenal. Stop. Uh. Stop right now. Stop right now. (laughs) No, All apart from the finish is average. Players just let him run at them. This is And then he
4: gets lucky past the final two. I think that's one of the greatest goals ever scored. Contextually and for the skill. Just to
3: show my cards, I do agree. I think players when they beat a load of players and, and score is generally rubbish. But I think with that gigs one, you have to take into account it's right at the end of a, like a huge battle that's gone on over like two legs essentially, isn't it?
4: And it's right at the death. There is a moment where he gets slightly fortunate as he comes into the box, but
3: that but goal he leathers it.
4: Yeah, and also like no, I just you know what? I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm I can feel my blood getting up, but I'm not doing it.
3: <laughs> I wouldn't file that under a great. And You know, he, he smashes that in,
2: doesn't he? He hits the roof of the net. So it's actually a great finish more than an yeah, amazing dribble. He says all apart from the finish is average, he says. Thierry on Ravey, Spurs. I don't know this one. Do you? No. Oh, that's, yeah. A high Whole break. team back off and he barely actually skills yeah, it past anyone. Rubbish. Yeah, yeah uh, but yeah.
4: like you, you have to back off as a defender when someone's running at you at speed. It's not like the sort of footage from a bad football movie where the defenders kind of fall over because they have to to let the player through like the reason they back off is because Omri is so feared and respected and so skillful what about Maradona in 86 is that he just luck he
2: ha- so he's not no he's not saying all of them he's saying the majority he hasn't mentioned Scott Sinclair against Barnett for instance but uh, which is the greatest goal I've ever seen in the flesh he says, exceptions to the rule uh, Ben Arthur versus Blackburn or Neymar versus Flamengo. Neither of those I am aware of. So no. I can't help Also, with Neymar, Neymar. I mean, like, pick King Cladsey or something like that. It's come on. Oh, yeah, that King Cladzy yeah, one. Yeah,
3: that's the one I always think of. That King Cladzy one where he beats everyone and jinx it off the post at the end.
2: Well, Maradona, obviously. Maradona is the, is the classic, surely. Also, he says, P.S. Oh, here we go. Your blood's going to boil in a minute, Michael. <laughs> I wholeheartedly stand with Skull on Mike Bassett, one of the best football films ever.
3: I have to say,
2: and there's been a, a weight of public
3: opinion behind my opinion <laughs> that Mike Bassett is a great film. You two have got this wrong, I think. And can I just pick something up from last week as well? Um, <laughs> Dion, Dub, Dion Dublin Muzzy, is it? We've had, a, we've had a few tweets today saying that actually, Dion Dublin Muzzy, is it yes,
2: not no? I disagree. The, the game muzzy is it? Is your image of them, do they have a moustache? No, with Dion Dublin.
4: Well, yeah, I think if the argument is at one point in their life, have they had a moustache? It's pretty much <laughs> yes to everyone. Yeah. I, I, I think the the consensus was, do you picture them? Is there a sort of consensus yeah. look with or sans moustache?
2: If someone said, Dion Dublin has gone missing, we need a description <laughs> of him. Yeah. Skull, you've been hired to do the, um, the police sketch. <laughs>
3: so i would so i would start with a sketch i sketch his whole face yeah and then like the other detective staring at me knowing is he going to add a tash here <laughs> yeah because
4: we're never finding him if you don't
3: i'm like making eye contact with the other detective as i hover the pencil over his top lip, <laughs> and then i just start scratching it out <laughs> do you think uh, if dion dublin did go missing and all the missing posters had him with a moustache. Dion Dublin would never be found again. <laughs> <laughs> like a reverse Clark Kent. It's like Beadle when he used, used to wear the beard. The-
2: um, misheard Chance, Dale Chapman. Just wanted to recount a story of taking my younger brother to Fratton Park for the first time. Can't remember who Pompey were playing, but I have a vivid memory of seeing my brother getting involved with every chant going. Whilst walking home, he asked me about a certain chant. No more silver salami. I was very confused after wondering and thought, I realised the real chant was Alan Ball's Blue and (laughs) White (laughs) Army. I used to think Green Army was salami when I first went to Argyle. This is the worst football chant.
3: I'm going to say it. Especially when you support a team like West Ham, where you're singing like... I mean, this never happened, but Sam Allardyce's Climb Blue Army. There's too, way too many syllables to, yeah, to yeah, get yeah. in. So you can never understand what's being said. And it's so yeah.
2: boring. There was a point when we, we were singing Paulie Stark's Green Army. <laughs> no one's ever called him Paulie because <laughs> he's not in the Mafia. <laughs> yeah, because it wouldn't scan. work.
3: Paul Sturrock's, yeah, yeah, it's not enough in there.
2: I remember when I li- was at uni. Do you remember when England won the Rugby World Cup in 2003? No, I had no interest in rugby. And me and my friend Andy, you know, like when you're 21, I mean, maybe we're a bit old for this, but such was our lack of interest in rugby. We actually actively didn't watch the final. <laughs> <laughs> so our flatmate, Tim, lovely bloke, but he, one of those people that wasn't as into sport as he claimed. Yeah. And he, he was fully on board the rugby bandwagon. And then he uh, we won and he walked it was like 9am, wasn't it, that match. So it was like mid-morning when he returned. And he walks in and he sings, Sweet love, sweet chariot.
3: <laughs> That's so badly wrong, though. It's nowhere near.
4: It's like someone coming in and going, uh, Football's going home.
3: <laughs> Can I request um, any listeners for that chant? Like. Paulie Starro, screen of white Army, your football club with what was the longest name that you had to chant and did it work? Oh uh, yeah, I'd yeah. love to know. Hello at quicklykevin.com.
2: Now, do you want some strange hills? Now, this is just absolutely baffling, so I'm going to send you a, a link to a video. I want you to watch the start of this. Um, this is the start of the coverage of the second leg of Liverpool versus Strasbourg in the UEFA Cup, which was at Anfield, and Liverpool were 3-0 down from the first leg. It's worth watching purely because there's some wonderful Des Lynam. I remember this game. But it also builds the basis for a superb strange hill. Here's Okpara and he's Italy! Deeply.
0: Detelli! Conte.
3: Still Conte. It's three.
2: So, Liverpool, out of Europe. Good night from us. Well, is that how I'm going to be ending this programme tonight? I certainly hope not. But those three goals that Strasbourg scored two weeks ago have clearly posed a big problem here for Liverpool tonight. Okay. Some great Des Lynam there, I think we yeah. can all agree. So what yes. you heard there, that sounds a bit like I'm Sue Barker, what you heard there was uh, the start <laughs> of Liverpool versus Strasbourg, okay, in the UEFA Cup in 1998. So, uh, Tom Skinner writes, a listener recently wrote into you detailing how they used to think that a player rifling the ball into the back of the net for a second time when a goal had gone in constituted aggregate. This has emboldened me to come forward. With my arguably more embarrassing confession. Age nine, I sat down in front of my parents' television to watch Liverpool take on Strasbourg at Anfield in the second round of the 97 98 UEFA Cup. Little did I know the match in question was, in fact, the second leg. At this point in my life, I was completely unaware of the concept of two legged ties or the aggregate scoring system. BBC were broadcasting the match, and as soon as the Match of the Day live titles have played. They cut straight to highlights of the first leg in France, what we just heard, which I didn't know was a fortnight previously. Then, uh, after the three goals, they cut to Des Lynham in the studio, eh, who quipped, Liverpool out of Europe, good night. This cemented my false belief that because Strasbourg were the away side, they'd been gifted three attempts on goal from the kickoff in a sort of pre match kickabout. <laughs> Liverpool's task was to better their efforts over 90 minutes. (laughs) Like a golf handicap. This, I believed, was aggregate.
4: Amazing. Amazing. (laughs)
2: Liverpool won the match 2-0, but that wasn't enough to undo Strasbourg's pre-match masterclass. I was left dumbstruck of how clinical Strasbourg had been in such a short (laughs) space of time. (laughs) (laughs) leading me to further deduce they must be genuine powerhouse of European football. And the score of two of the three goals, David Zatelli, was one of the greatest strikers on the planet. But the plot thickens. One month later, my dad took me to my first ever Liverpool match, which was away to Crystal Palace. As the game kicked off, I believe the opening exchanges of the match were Liverpool battling for an aggregate advantage. (laughs) I was angry that they just seemed to be passing the ball about right in the middle of the park rather than going all out for goals as Strasbourg had done. <laughs> <laughs> the referee blew the whistle for a foul after about 30 seconds. At this point, I believed he was signalling the end of aggregate oh, at <laughs> the start of amazing. the actual match
4: i love that um,
2: do you know what it's such a cliche like
3: that the offside rule is the, the most complex thing to describe to someone who doesn't know about football but i would actually say it's aggregate like when i think about the things i've had to explain about football to my wife
2: most of those conversations are away about goals aggregate. it's aggregate away and away goals. goals it's really difficult thing to get a grip on i totally agree um one more strange hill from mark vickers yeah um So I started to develop an interest in football at the beginning of the 90s. At the age of eight or nine, I would hoover up as much football as I could on TV. The TV was uh, not the only thing in short supply on our house. For some reason, my family had two recordable video cassettes per person policy, which were continually taped over again and again. Therefore, extremely common for my sister to tape over unwatched lower league football highlights with episodes of Neighbours and Home and Away. Anyway, one such video had an episode of Neighbours, I think it was the one where Paul Robinson had just been caught having an affair with the wrong Alessi twin, taped over the first 20 minutes of goals on Sunday. The episode ended and the video cut straight to the highlights of Chesterfield v Mansfield, where the striker was put through on goal, chipped over the keeper, the ball hit the post and went in. The commentary went something like, chips over the keeper, is this the hat trick? Yes it is, in off the post and that's three goals to the striker. Being eight or nine, very impressionable, living in the household with no other football fans. For some reason, this made me think that the hat trick being described was the act of the ball going in off the post. Oh. Naturally, this led me to believe that being a skillful enough to score off the post meant that, in fact, the goal counted as three goals. <laughs> <laughs> this made perfect sense, given the risk-straight reward of earning for a post instead of the centre of the goal. So I immediately decided I would dedicate my time to playing football, to specialise in these rare but extremely valuable hat tricks. <laughs> I even managed to relay the rule to some of my school friends, who accepted the rule as I described, and therefore our little group went about playing small 4 side games where we concentrated on scoring uh, in off the post. Um, I was reading this, and I thought, That would be a great rule. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be so exciting? Because goals
3: off the post in the bar look better.
4: They do. They do look better. Yeah. Well, how about, you know, on those sort of um, training things where they have like uh, a a net over the goal that's got like a hole in... uh, the corner, or like the bottom corner. Oh, yeah. If you get it in a certain region yeah. in the goal, it counts as as two.
3: I was just rattling my brain, thinking of ways you could do it so that a goal counted for more goals. but What if you had one player? uh You had to pick each team picks a player, and they have to put on a special boot. And if a goal is scored with that boot, or they could have like a <laughs> headband. <laughs> if a header, you pick a player, pick a boot or a header, and they wear a purple headband, for example, that counts as double. So then, as the opposition team, you're, you're trying to stop that player.
2: Headband, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, and you can do anything with, you want with that headband. You can put it around your foot, you could pass it around. Yes. Um, so it's England, dying embers of a
3: World Cup, on comes Andy Carroll, purple headband. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, uh, I don't know if you've been reading the news, but uh, COVID has led to uh, our Quickly Kevin live show at the Salford Lowry being moved back. We finally, fingers crossed got a post-COVID date uh we will be doing it on the 1st of July Thursday the 1st of July most excitingly that's the day before uh the quarterfinals of the Euros so it's it's in the middle of a festival of football but there's no football that day so um I don't know if there's been returns or whatever if there are tickets I'm sure they're available on the Salford Lowry website or Ticketmaster or something just google it but if you've got tickets it's been moved to July the 1st we hope you can still get there because it's going to be a wonderful night if you're a member of the uh the quickly kevin fan club uh patreon.com forward slash quickly kevin there is 15 minutes extra stuff in this brilliant brilliant episode um so sign up there there's also all the extra episodes uh the steve bruce ones one other extra episode a month plus quarterly merch and all the other perks now Who have we got on today, Chris?
3: This week, we have comedian, broadcaster, singer, entertainer and Grimsby fan, Lloyd Griffiths. And it's just a fantastic journey up north around a lower league club with mixed fortunes, but had their peak in the 90s. Today's guest is comedian, actor, presenter and part-time goalkeeper, but crucially for this podcast is also Grimsby Town's most noted supporter, beating off the likes of Norman Lamont and, allegedly, Sasha Baron Cohen. Known for stints on Soccer AM, 8 Out of 10 Cats and Ted Lasso, along with Tom Crane, he's also the second guest to have done the holy double of Quickly Kevin and Songs of Praise. It's our pleasure to welcome to Quickly Kevin, Lloyd Griffith. How are you doing, Lloyd? I'm,
0: I'm so angry with Tom Crane. (laughs) <laughs> like when you think you've got a USP, being the only person that can do quickly, Kevin and songs of praise, and then oh my, Crane
2: just turns up. We've got Alan Jones on next week as well. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> who's he support?
0: <laughs> Hair <laughs>
2: boss. <laughs> um, I've got a little normal Lamont fact. That's a half fact. It's a, it's a. It's a. It's a. Do I remember this right? I'm sure one of our listeners will be able to help i'm sure that norman lamont released an autobiography which i'm sure that's not that's not the fact i'm sure it sold something hilarious like 27 copies it was one of those books you know when then someone releases a book that sells no like when razor lights comeback single sold 900 copies so if anyone's listening who could has knowledge on so norman do- lamont please do email <laughs> well-
0: or if they've got that book, imagine. Yeah, way. actually. <laughs> yeah, were you one of the 27? And that's a weird Venn diagram, isn't it? Quickly, Kevin fans and Norman Lamont
2: stands. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie to you. Two words, Matt Ford. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Lloyd, today I'd say is what has thrilled me most about this interview is I've never known someone so excited about it. you. You've like, normally we'll write the interview about someone's club or whatever, and then we'll kind of hope that we've got it on the right stuff. You've been doing so much research for this.
0: Like, I'm not sure if you can hear this, but I've got two pages. I'm just going to turn over. That's me turning over. to I've got two full pages of notes here that I'm hoping to read out and to just talk. I would, I've done more prep for this than I think I ever did for an episode of Soccer AM or any <laughs> any, any tour I've ever done. Or like birthday prep for any <laughs> any close relative or girlfriend. Like I've really gone to town on this and was texting friends be like, have I got this fact right? Because I didn't want to come across <laughs> as like, <laughs> it's the worst is it. Like when they let in the fans, like, I can't believe you got Ivano
2: Bonetti's middle name wrong. I'm like, oh
0: God, I'm so sorry.
2: <laughs> well, let's start by, um, I'm, you've sent me a photo that I said, I'm, I wasn't going to send on until on the show because I want Michael to react to it live.
0: It's because of the question that you asked
3: at the start, isn't
2: it? Yeah. So do you want to ask our, our classic opening question, Chris?
3: Have you ever met a 90s footballer?
2: Okay, here you go. Michael, have a look on the Quickly Kevin group. Oh, wow.
3: This is going to be good. Isn't it? Oh, wow. No way!
2: Uh, that, that is a picture of me with
0: Eric Cantona. <laughs> You're in the you're in United shirt. You're in the yeah. United shirt. Wow.
3: There's,
0: there's a story behind this, and I've, don't worry, I've got it covered. So that is me at Old Trafford after a game. I can't remember what game it was um, at Old Trafford, wearing a Man United shirt. So this, there's the backstory is about 1996. Yeah, maybe 96. I can't, I can't remember. But basically, my cousins used to go to Old Trafford every week. My cousin Bob's been going to Old Trafford since like the early 80s, and. My mum used to work at Wimpy. And I mean, if you're looking for like a more quickly Kevin job, Wimpy in the 90s.
4: um,
2: (laughs) I was a big fan of the the knicker block of glory. um, As you can can tell from that photo. My family is vegetarian. So I was vegetarian as a child. And I was was also a big fan of Ghostbusters. And Newton Abbot had a Wimpy, didn't have a McDonald's or a Burger King, had a Wimpy, which my dad saw as a kind of, I think he just saw that as a a real vote of confidence for the area. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Basically because Wimpy used crockery, didn't they? They had plates. And also table service. Crucial. Table table service. service. Yeah, Yeah. of course. yeah. And I remember there being him negotiating with the manager of Wimpy when we were in there that they, because they only did the Ghostbusters promo on the, whatever the meat burger was. So he kind of had to get the manager and go, look, you got you got to cut my son some slack here. But he's getting a spicy bean burger. We give him the Ghostbusters box, very, very much like a forest green fan
0: at anywhere else now. Like just going, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no! I want the promotion with with the carrots, please. I want the promotion with the carrots. Um, but yeah, my mom, my mum was a manager at Grimsby Wimpy, and I, do you know what? I'm actually this is I'm trying to do sound effects on a podcast now. Like this is my pen. Uh, I put a, uh, I've got a cup here and um, your pens in it. It's, it's a Wimpy mug. I reckon oh, wow. that's worth a, a bob or two, actually. To be fair, is it still there, Grimsby Wimpy? No, God, no. It, it closed in like the late nineties, but what I what I'd say ninety seven or something. But I remember. So my mum used to work, and I used to come after school and, and do my homework in in Wimpy, literally in one of the tables. And I remember the Premier League being formed, and I just remember it like one of the chefs there. And we'll give him the is that he was a chef, okay? If you're getting waiter service, you're also having a chef. <laughs> one of the chefs at Wimpy was a massive football fan and I we used to read Shoot and Match together and he was like, mate, there's a massive thing. There's the thing called the Premiership or the Premier League. And I just remember that massive change being in, in you know, whilst I was a little kid at Wimpy, my mum used to work Saturdays and it was cheaper. It was £9 for a children's ticket for Old Trafford and it was cheaper for me to go to Old Trafford with my cousins than it was for her to get a babysitter. <laughs> so that's why I went to Old Trafford <laughs> for... I reckon 18 months, like 94, 95, just going to to Old Trafford. And did you support them? I was obsessed with Peter Schmeichel. That's the thing. I just was, I am genuinely obsessed with Peter Schmeichel. You know what links him
2: and Wimpy, don't you, Michael?
4: Oh, come on. Chips. Uh, (laughs) Yeah,
3: bit of fun. I'm not engaging. I was trying to remember if Wimpy had a lobster burger or something. Because, I mean, Lloyd, there's a thing on our podcast where we'd like, um, listeners have pointed out that Peter Schmuckel got lobbed a lot in the 90s. No, he, he, well,
4: he didn't. Crucially, he didn't. There's just more footage yeah. of him. Finally, yeah. it's 2v2. You guys can't tag team me now, <laughs> so. Thank you, Lloyd.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think
0: it's just yeah, he just got lobbed famously twice, but that's that's it. There's just, you know, wow, he twice. played more games. Let's, not, was...
2: let's let's not bring out the uh the box <laughs> uh, of evidence here. <laughs> Lloyd,
3: why were you obsessed with Schmeichel? What was it about him?
0: Just loved him. I, I was a goalkeeper as a kid and I just this this man, I th- I think it was genuinely the kits which made me love him. Like he just wore amazing kits. He was just tall, blonde bloke and what I really liked is the um the, the last of the Adidas kit where it was it was a green kit with like black you know, like you can see on your screen now with the um on the with the, with the sound things. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah a heart, a pitch, like a heart like a heart yeah. monitor. Like a heart monitor, the black heart monitor things like down yeah. the street. And then but yeah, then you'd also probably. have to wear the outfield white shorts.
2: Yes, of course. In the days when they wore the outfield shorts,
0: it was just things like that, and then the fact that he was amazing. I just, I was just obsessed with Pitch Michael. Still am. Never met him. Absolutely fuming about that fact. I've met him.
2: Ah, oh, where? Ow. I did um, League of Their Own with him. Oh my god, he was pretty unremarkable. Like in that I had forgotten I'd met him until that moment. <gasps> it left that little amount of. I think I, I also—I've got to be clear. I also met Ian Poulter the same day, so it was a big day. <laughs> was he quite
3: tuned into League of League of Their Own, or was a lot of it going over his head? <laughs> oh, oh.
0: This is disgusting. This is absolutely disgusting.
3: But Lloyd, is that why you wanted to be a goalkeeper? Because you're a noted goalkeeper yourself. It was Michael the inspiration?
0: Well, yeah, 100 percent And always has been. And I you know, I've been lucky to have met a lot of goalkeepers since and, and 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 done stuff you know in goal. But Peter Schmeichel was my first idol, posters on the wall. Absolutely adored the bloke, really did. And so when we used to go to Old Trafford, I just used to watch him training, like warming up beforehand, and I didn't really care much about the games. Goalkeeping
2: it was goalkeeping at
0: that point? To a point, yeah, to a point. I mean, I was the little fat-killing goal. Um, I went to quite a small school. There was only 11 boys in each year, so, like, you just had to, you had to go and goal. But, yeah, yeah, I was just obsessed with Peter Schmichael, And then, I, I didn't really support Man United. I got a lot of stick from my mates at, from home who mm. al- also supported Grimsby. Um, And then, when I didn't have to have a babysitter, I was going to Grimsby games on a Saturday, so... um. Yeah, it was a weird. So I had a weird little penchant for Peter Schmeichel via going to Man United games every Saturday for eighteen months. And
2: then you, how did you meet Eric the King? Again,
0: they have like supporters associations at big clubs, and it was the Grimsby Grimsby Supporters Association. Basically, every year would vote on who they thought was the best player of the year. So I think I think the year before I, I went, I met Gary Pallister. David Do you mean Mayen. the Manchester
2: United Supporters Association?
0: Yeah, Manchester United Supporters Association, Grimsby branch. So it was like people oh, would come see, over. Yeah. Sorry, people that would come over on the coach to Old Trafford for pretty much every game, and because they're in this association, they had this relationship with the club, and they always get to meet a player after a one game yeah. every season. So I met um, Henning Berg, Gary Pallister, David May, all in one after one game, um, and then that was that was it. It was like oh, we're going to meet Eric Cantona. And I just yeah, it it was pretty pretty weird, surreal moment. Just his man in a completely white suit. Yeah. Just came in and signed autographs, didn't really give a shit about being there, let's be honest.
2: <laughs> no. I can't imagine that was what he wanted to do after a gate. No. Um you've sent also we we will we will but I've got to do this other thing that you've sent me, which yeah. you told me what it was, but I think we should do it as a um as a what happened next. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to put this on the group. So what I want you two to, to do, it's an eight-second video. I want you to watch it until three seconds. <laughs> okay. okay. Okay? And then I want you to tell me what you think is going to happen. This looks like a nightclub, and the camera
3: is about to pan elsewhere on the dance floor.
0: Yeah. Do you
3: want
2: to give some context to help them, Lloyd?
0: Yeah, so um, I I was on tour supporting Jack Whitehall, and we we were doing Glasgow. um, And then we ended up going to a little nightclub around the corner. And it was like a tiny little really dingy nightclub, but very packed for a Tuesday night, which was quite (laughs) weird. Um, And then a few people came with us.
2: Is this one of the people that came with you?
0: Yeah. He was at the gig, came for a few drinks afterwards, and I'm like, oh, we're going clubbing. Do you fancy coming with us? And he was like... He was like, yeah, just don't tell the gaffer. We're like, okay, cool. And so he, he came out with us. Yeah. Do you want to have a guess, Michael and Chris? What what year was this? This was um two thousand and nineteen.
3: So he's still active, twenty nineteen.
0: Well, um, not, as a, player, not as a player. Not as a
3: player. Um, okay.
0: But he was crucially a nineties player, a very famous nineties player. Who now I'm going
3: I'm going gigs.
4: Okay, not, I don't think I, I don't think I don't think you're getting Ryan Giggs out in a Glasgow <laughs> nightclub. Uh, I, I'm going to go. I think obviously Scottish, so I'm going to go Colin Henry.
3: Oh, I guess again, Ali McCoist. Okay, that's a strong guess. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Gary <laughs> McAllister
0: went clubbing with Gary McAllister.
3: So <laughs> you know what? That- He's given off real clubbing with your dad vibes, isn't it? The way he just stood on the edge of the dance floor.
0: He was a lovely bloke and he he gave me a lot of time because he played in the Liverpool game where Grimsby beat Liverpool 2-1 at Anfield. And so he he just chatted football and me and Jack were like, oh, we're going to go to this club around the corner. Do you fancy it? He was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, but just don't tell the gaffer. Like, don't tell Steven Gerrard. We're like, yeah, okay, cool. That's not a problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> and <then he> just- <laughs> He just came out, and I think he was on the vodka tonics all night. So, um, um what did he? Is he getting much hassle in there? Um I think we had our own little area, um, <laughs> and I, and and like no disservice to Gary McAllister, who I, again I do want to reiterate was a lovely, lovely yeah, man. Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> if, if 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 you're in a nightclub and he's he's changed a little bit, Gary, over the years, if it's if it's a toss up between looking at Jack Whitehall or Gary McAllister, you're probably going to realise it's Jack Whitehall first before you go. He's like Gary McAllister as well? well.
2: Do you know what, Lloyd? <laughs> you're on the wrong. You're on the wrong podcast to make that argument. <laughs> yeah, Just what happened is Gary McAllister walked into that
3: nightclub, and everyone lost their minds. They were harassing him. <laughs> His security was trying to keep them back. Do you think Gary McAllister ever gets hassled when he goes to a nightclub? Yeah, oh, probably by people, are But course. by yeah, girls, him, by girls. Yeah, he's-
2: what the, <laughs> <not> girls,
0: <no. laughs> Usually, people with like Topman or Thistle Hotel t shirts ask him to be signed. <laughs> I mean, if he goes out in Leeds, he's
2: getting hassled, surely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And surely now in Glasgow, particularly now in Glasgow, is he still part? I don't know if he's still part of the Rangers setup, but I think he is, yeah. Yeah, and then he half. The- but also, I think it was a student night,
0: and I mean, <laughs> what <well>, I mean. <laughs> Which, uh, 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 yeah, I, he, crucially, he wasn't getting hassle, which was like I was yeah. like, I can't believe it! I'm I'm clubbing with Gary McAllister.
2: But that was the thing about Gary, Gary McAllister; he was always in space. <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of the nightclub, actually. <laughs> it's a class act. He's got a
3: yard in the head, even on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, well, well, how well. much hassle does Gary McAllister get? Is, what, is my one of
2: my all time favourite quest- line of questioning. <laughs> I think, yeah, in a student nightclub, not much. I admit that. I suppose Gary McAllister being in a student nightclub now would be like saying, when I was at uni in 2001, how much hassle would... I'm trying to think of a player that played in like... Alan Forrest,
3: Alan Mullery. (laughs) How
2: much (laughs) hassle would Alan Mullery have got in a Manchester student nightclub in the early 2000s? I think if I was at at X
0: University and Clayton Blackmore walked into vaults, I'd have to maybe triple check, then go on Google, make sure my my three phone had enough um, data
2: just to see if it was him. Uh, I suppose half an hour in, we should start the interview proper. Um, So how did you come to be a Grimsby fan over Manchester? Were there lots of Grimsby fans in Grimsby, or is it a rare thing to be a Grimsby fan?
0: No, I think there were quite a few growing up. but I guess it depends as to what your, you know, your your um, family kind of, who your family support. Now, I get not to get to. like, my mum worked at Wimpy. It was just a single parent family. So I didn't have, like, a, my auntie's boyfriend, Dave, used to support Grimsby. So I used to go down with him. And, like, my mates at school supported Grimsby. I used, used to go down with him. But there were a lot of Man United, Liverpool, kind of, like, fans. So it was, a, it was very yeah. much, a, like, a Premier League supporting town but it has changed a lot recently but yeah i did i kind of had to find the fans as it were um, yeah. growing up and then at school quite a few friends timmy brendan um god they sound so odd don't they me and timmy and brendan <laughs> <laughs> after choir practice you used to go down blando park um it, it wasn't it didn't fall upon me like it wasn't a family thing it kind of i had to kind of yeah. f- find the right people to go with when what um, was your first game do you remember uh, yeah, it was John Cockrell's testimonial. He played his brother Glenn Cockrell's Southampton.
2: Yeah.
0: Um I, I there was the first game I went there's um also because I wanted to chat to you about the the Finder stand, which has been oh, referenced yeah. in previous episodes. We sat in the upper finder stand and there was like a presentation. He got given this like huge ten foot mural of him at half time and there's like loads of photos. Steve Sherwood was too cold, so he wore a boiler suit in goal. And I just <laughs> I just remember thinking, is this is this what happens every single game? Like <laughs> does someone always get given a ten foot mural? <laughs> it's like a massive photo op. Do people not take it seriously? And is Steve Sherwood always wearing a boiler suit? Like <laughs> it was really it was really weird. So that was my first game. When would that have been? Uh, early nineties, I want to say So would Letitia
2: or Shearer or anyone have been Tim Flowers? Uh, do you know what? I, not that I can remember.
0: And I think I think maybe Letis would have been. It was in April, so it must have been towards the end of the season. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I I don't vividly remember
2: Shearer playing. Imagine the uproar now if a Premier League team took part in a testimonial during the season. Yeah. People would go absolutely crazy about that kind of lack of professionalism.
0: Different times, Josh. I mean, different different times. times. Yeah, things have changed.
2: What was Blundell Park like?
0: What was the Finder stand like? So you've got the lower Finder's and the upper Finder's freezing. So the up, on the upper Finder's, you can genuinely see the River Humber, okay? So on a Saturday, when it's daylight, you can see ships going along the main stand. And wow. sometimes that is more exciting than watching the game in hand. <laughs> well, that's and a lovely setting, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. But it's absolutely Baltic. It's so cold. And that was the first thing I remember about this game has been absolutely fucking freezing. <laughs> and, um, and,
3: and because it's the Finder's stand, at half-time, can you go get like a fish finger? What's the deal there?
0: Well, this is the thing, right? Okay, so the, the Finder's... Finder stand has been renamed. It was first named the Finder stand. Then it was moved to Stone's Bitter. Then it was the John Smith stand. Then it was the Carlsberg stand. Then it got moved back to the Finder stand. Now it's called the Young stand. Um, But you've never been able to get any kind of fish product at Blundell <laughs> Park at all, which is absolutely fucking mental, considering we are known as like Coddage. Yeah. We're called the Mariners. You can see trawlers going past you. You can't get a fish finger for love and money. What's at that game. all about then? Well, just bad management. Um, if, you want it, if you want the honest but not funny um, yeah. answer, it is just absolutely ridiculous management of a football club for the last twenty years. Like obviously, like, I love this podcast and I love my club. I've got to be like, I don't want to get too kind, like it, you know. But it's raunch. We're still in the nineties now, lads. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> like we've signed so many. This is the thing about Grimsby Town. We've signed so many players. From, like, 90s players, kids. So, like, Jake Hessenthaler, we signed him, okay? We signed John Lukic Jr.
2: Oh, um, wow. Is he a goalie?
0: Uh, is a goalie, yeah. He played two games, absolutely diabolical. Um, we signed Matty Pollock, son of Jamie Pollock. We've signed um, Joe Grayson,
1: wow. son of
0: Simon Grayson. Oh, wow. uh, Andy Hendry's son, Luke Hendry. Like, we've literally, we're still in the 90s now. It's such a, it, like, we're,
3: it, yeah. <laughs> You're bringing the 90s back. It
0: has not gone. <laughs>
3: Another thing about Blundell Park is um, that main stand, it's got red seats in, which bothers me, because you want that to be the colour, the seats should be the colour of the shirts, no? Well, we're black and
0: white, but we do weirdly. We've got a bit of red in us as well. Got so like red the fish trim, is, yeah. We've got a red trim, yeah. So the the three fish are red. The trawler's red. The socks are usually red. Um, but again, I think it's just cost really at this point, um, Chris. Yeah, you know I mean as to <laughs> what was available at the time. There's still there's still wooden um, seats at the top of the main stand. Is there? Yeah, proper wooden seats. It's an absolute fire hazard. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I think it's the oldest stand in the country. It's the, still the only. Really? I think it's the only wooden stand in the country. I think it's the oldest stand in the country. It's still from like 1900s. Have you got terracing? We did all? have terracing uh, in the pontoon end, but then changed in the in the mid-90s, yeah. So seating, black and white seating. You'd be happy about that, Chris? Um, <laughs> yes.
1: Do
2: you still go to the Finder's stand or where we, do you we, go now?
0: Well, I, I usually go, yeah, upper Finder's with me, mum and aunties when I go back and watch it, because that's where I watch it now with my mum and my aunties um like some sort of big, sickly child big day out it's a massive day out i go to the cons club beforehand, fill our boots go to the upper fenders no fish products at half time <laughs> back to the cons afterwards <laughs> but it's, it's like a really it's a really really old shit stadium and i absolutely love it and we're with There's talk of us moving and i don't really want to if i'm honest no. I know. Oh, that's know.
2: the pain of a West Ham fan, right there, Chris. Isn't but it's it?
3: such a, you're right. It's such a beautiful stadium. It's an old stadium. It's a '90s stadium in a good way, in the best possible yeah. way. 1890s. Really nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Grimsby Town, you've been around forever. You're a really old
2: club. Yeah, like late late 1800s, wasn't it? Basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Looking at that stadium now, it's. Hilariously mismatched how big that Finder stand is compared to the rest of the stadium, isn't it? It was like I think it was one of the first two tier stadiums in like the eighties.
0: Um but on a big day, we can you can take ten thousand in there. And that was basically Spurs and Newcastle 15 years ago. And then usually five to six thousand, but that is on a good day, average maybe four and a half.
2: Like it looks bleak. That's that's all right, four and a half at that level. And it's four and a half's good. The beauty of that stadium is it's one of those proper stadiums that is within streets of terraced houses.
0: Oh, it's literally it's surrounded. It's surrounded. Yeah. Like the the ball goes over in the Osmond stand or the pontoon. It's in like Imperial or Blundell Avenue, and you've got to go and get it. And my mum used to live in Blundell Avenue back in the day. She says she used to get like footballs in the back garden. She used to keep oh, them. Wow. They, they never used to knock knock and go and get them. So it is it is like proper. It's like Luton. Do you know what I mean? You're just, yeah. you're just encompassed within all these terraced houses. It's an absolute traffic flow nightmare. <laughs> you
2: is it one you of those ones where – if you walk, you don't see it because you're within the streets until like right at the last minute, or is it?
0: No, it's quite imposing. Like if you come down Grimsby or Cleethorpe Road, which is like the the the, 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 me- the two main roads that are there, mm-hmm. um, you, kinda, you can you can kind of see it from miles around. Although we've just shortened our floodlights because apparently they were like condemned or something, or they were just far too high. They were so high, oh, the, the, and our floodlights were so high, and it was like one of the things that you come in on the A180 and you go oh there's Blundell Park I can see the floodlights but they had to like cut them in half and then just get larger lights halfway down um <laughs> so which is a bit again quite quite sad because it's part of you know it's not yeah not, not ripping down the stadium but yeah it's um I- iconic bits that have just gone sadly
3: who and who are your big rivalries in humberside who do you, who are the local rivals it all depends as to who's in the
0: same league at the same time so at the moment scunthorpe uh, two years ago lincoln in previous years it has been doncaster or hull um, but we just we grimsby used to be like the pride of lincolnshire you know and in most fans eyes it, it still is but ultimately you know we're at the bottom of the football league and we're probably going to be playing kings lynn so next year it will be kings lynn who are our football rivals oh, man. so But we used to like Hull, you know, used to be a big day out and stuff. Hull are obviously League One now, but we'll probably go back up. But yeah, there's no, it all changes. Like Lincoln, there's a big, there's a big, there's big beef with Lincoln. They're very
2: good at the moment, aren't they? All right, fuck off, mate. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just couldn't believe it when we were playing Lincoln the other day. And I was like, how has it come to this position where Lincoln are strong favourites over Plymouth Argyle? That's not the way things should work. What would you say is Grimsby's. Nat- I think every club has a natural position. Yeah. So Manchester Uniteds would be top two or three. Yeah. West Ham, I would say, is mid-table in the Premier yeah. League. Yeah. And I'd say Plymouth would be the playoffs of League One, maybe, yeah. would be our natural position. What would you say your natural position is?
0: Like We haven't been higher than League Two for 10 years, 15 years. So yeah. I'm going to say mid-League One.
2: Mid league one, mid table league one, yeah. Because that's the thing, and that we we should come to is that the nineties was a glorious period for Grimsby Town. Yeah, we we used to play everyone in my childhood. I thought Grimsby were a natural championship, and what would now be the championship team. We were a Division One team for most of the nineties under Alan Buckley.
0: You know, we we were week in week out. We play like Sunderland, Portsmouth. Blackburn until they obviously went up, Fulham, Newcastle. I mean, these these are teams that we used to play week in, week out. And when you were playing those, did it feel like you were the much smaller club? Oh, yeah, always. I think always felt like we were doing pretty good for ourselves. We were doing, you know, for for, uh, geographically where we are, we we, we struggle to sign players because we're literally the end of the railway line. So it's always going to be a struggle. You've got, you know, Doncaster and Scunthorpe on the way to us. So it was it's always been a problem to sign players. But you when you when you're when you're playing like the likes of I'd say Portsmouth, Sunderland, Chef Wednesday, you are the smaller team. And just because we're a a small town and a small stadium compared compared to them. So yeah, I think we've always been deemed as we've we've done all right for ourselves in, in division one. And then it just went from bad to worse.
3: <laughs> well, let, let's rewind the clock back to the, this golden period. So, in the in the kind of mid to late eighties, you're almost going out of business. But in comes Alan Buckley, gets you promoted from the fourth tier to the second tier, and basically keeps you there for all but one of the next twelve years. And Alan Buckley goes on to manage you three times. So yeah. Is he like a hero?
0: He is, yeah. And like for the first two kind of appointments, was an absolute hero. We he went to West Brom, we were a little bit annoyed with him because he took like a lot of the team with him as well. Um, but then when he came back, he brought from there as well. So I think he brought like Paul Groves, uh, Dave Smith over with him. Um, so yeah, he was, really like, Dave his, Smith. he was, yeah. Yeah. I I had him, oh, my, God, he was
2: really good. Yeah. Really good uh, he, he's,
0: uh, so he's now the, um, commercial director at Grimsby town. So if you want some hoardings, um, <laughs> I, I can give you smudges <laughs> email and he, 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 sorts out the hoardings now and oh, wow. any of the sponsorship. So, yeah he we, we had him i think he's from coventry originally but had done you know a few little stints and he brought in like a really good team there was um i think the independent wrote a piece saying that we 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 basically play like juventus <laughs> saying that grimsby town like play like juventus which we did it was just like we just i mean that's ridiculous me was saying was that a
2: lazy did. piece of journalism based on the kits do you think i uh, didn't really think about it like that shit um
0: yeah <laughs> Could have been, actually. Yeah, absolutely could have been. But we played really good football. Alan Buckley was just like no-nonsense football manager who, you know, said it how it is and got the footballers playing on the floor. His autobiography is called Pass and Move. That was his all he'd say was like, just pass and move, pass and move. We played this really sexy football, which kept us in the top flight for, for so long. Went to West Rome. We got a little bit annoyed with him. It didn't work out there. He came back. Um, got us promoted in the 97-98 season. We, had, we went to Wembley within f- twice, within four weeks of each other. And then when he came back for the third season, wasn't as good. I mean, he was getting on and we were... At two leagues below what he'd previously managed at.
2: It's always the way,
0: isn't it? Yeah, it's like Brian Law's going to Scunthorpe three times.
3: There's a fun fact about Alan Buckley. He's uh, fourteen managers have managed one thousand matches in charge of a league club, but he's the only one never to have done to have got over a thousand, but never done it in the Premiership or in the top tier. Really? So that's a lot of time in the lower yeah. leagues.
0: He knows the leagues as well. Like he, he up until last season, he used to commentate on BBC Radio Humberside, and he would still know the teams and know how those teams played and new players. Do you know what I mean? He's he's getting on. Do you know what I mean? For 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 thirty years to have know just the encyclopedic knowledge of
2: those uh, of those leagues. Have you ever met Alan Barkley?
0: Yeah, and he really didn't give a shit. <laughs> like, he really wasn't bothered. Our commentator for Radio Ombicide and at the moment for I Follow is a chap called uh, John Tondo. He's been doing it for absolutely years since like the 80s. And um, a few years back, like when I was doing Soccer M and a few like football bits. Um, were, oh, he was like, Alan, this is uh, Lloyd Griffith. He's on Soccer M and he does, he does a few other bits and footballing bobs. And, you know, he's a you know bit of a big name around here. And Alan was like, you all right? And they just walked off and I was like, I was
1: absolutely <laughs> oh so, no
0: but it's fine I mean it's Alan Buckley he doesn't give a shit about stuff like that um, but what made me what made me even more fuming is he basically acknowledged me wasn't really bothered walked off but then as he walked off I was like Alan Buckley's wearing Ugg boots what the fuck <laughs> It Like this this, this hero of, of Grimsby and he's wearing Ugg boots. And I was like, you can't dismiss me like that and then walk off wearing Ugg boots, mate. I mean, that just... That... But then it made me think like, actually, he's in his 70s. That's probably the comfiest bit of footwear you're ever going to wear. Yeah. Consider it's absolutely Baltic watching Grimsby week in,
2: week out. Also, I think if you're that big a name at a club, it's almost like, you know, when you see really famous people dressing in a way which goes what are you going to do? Challenge me on what I'm wearing, you know? Like, if you're Alan Buckley going to Grimsby Town, you're like, no one's going to fucking pick up on this because I'm Alan Buckley. Yeah. I often thought that about Nelson Mandela.
3: His shirts were really leery. <laughs> but
2: he got away with it. Exactly. And that's not the first time those two men have been compared.
0: <laughs> I, bet, I bet Nelson Mandela would wear Ugg boots if he was around now. 100%. <laughs>
3: Yeah, they are comfortable uh, Lloyd tell us about like so the 90s is a great period you have some amazing players like Sean Cunnington but the big one for, like, looking at all the names of the players you had in that era like Clive Mendonca yeah 156 league games 57 goals how good was he uh,
0: yeah incredible incredible for us and I'd go so far as to say he was like the best striker outside of the uh, outside of the Premier League, and we were lucky to hold on to him for as long as we did. And then, obviously, when he went to Charlton, he really fulfilled his potential there. Um, he was an absolute icon um, for, for Charlton as well. But he was just—he was just brilliant. He's this player that. I can't remember where we signed him from, and that's really bad, isn't it? But um, which, uh, did you know that, Chris, off the top of your head from the research? Ah.
3: I don't know off the <laughs> top of my head. But I will say this about Clive Mendonca. He left you when he was 29. Yeah. Like, so actually, he's, the best years of his career were like 30, 31, 32, probably at Charlton when he went through that like kind of golden period. But like, you had his best years. That was what kind of blew my mind. What was Clive yeah. Mendonca doing all that time? was well, scoring goals really? He was, he,
0: and he was, he was the backbone of the team. He was great. There was him and John Cockrell just beforehand as well, who were just kind of players you you base your team around really. And and yeah, Mendonca um, was just this idol in Grimsby. He just everyone wanted to be him. And uh, Sheffield United is where we we si- we signed him from. And it, you know he'd scored a few goals beforehand, but it was really at Grimsby where he just he was just the backbone of
2: this team. Um, if you're saying like which. I don't dispute that he was the best player outside of the Premier League. Was there rumours? Thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not willing to... Do you know what, Lloyd? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, like, was there rumours of him going to big clubs?
0: I, I actually can't remember from from the time, but I was... We did a, a podcast a few years back with other Grimsby Town fans, and... It was apparently it was just constantly, you know. Obviously, there was no it was just C facts really, wasn't it? And the yeah. papers? But there were week in week out. It was just like rumours of him him going elsewhere. Talk of him going up to the northeast and stuff, and joining one of the clubs up there. But I, and I, and I don't know how we managed to keep hold of him for so long. And. I think it was the promise that Alan Buckley always said that we'd we'd get up to the would get up to the you know the first division or the you know the the, the Premier League, yeah. and for a few years we, we we were close to doing that. We really were you know close to doing that when we brought in Ivano Bonetti, which I think we'll talk about later. You know we were like second in in, in Division One for oh man yeah and you know and I think it is that promise and and again not to keep going back to it but the fact is players liked playing under Alan Buckley because they were yeah. just playing this really sexy style of football. It wasn't yeah. ugly. It wasn't, it, lump, it wasn't lumping up to the big man. It was just passing and moving. There's a really good Twitter account on Twitter called On This GTFC Day. And he, every single day, he posted these two or three videos. And some of the football from the 90s under Alan Buckley was just mesmerizing. It was like watching, I'd say, Juventus. Do you know what I mean? It was unbelievable.
2: <laughs> Do you think that you got spoiled? Like uh, as not Grimsby in general, but you personally, there's, there must be something about being a f- a fan of a club, and you don't know it at the time, but the best it'll ever be is your childhood.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And even looking back now, I kind of wish I was this age when when during that period. Yeah, yeah because it was just it was it was it was it was really good football. We we just you know it looked like we were. We were going to go up. Well, I mean, we looked like we were going to go up to the Premier League. But out of all those teams that we mentioned earlier, we'd, we'd beat them. We'd beat your Watfords, we'd beat your Birmingham Cities, we'd beat Sheffield Wednesday. So we, I think we were spoiled. And now looking back at it, Jesus Christ, you give absolutely anything to have those footballers back now and to have Alan Buckley back in,
2: in, in the first period. So then he leaves for West Brom. And is that one of those ones where he leaves? Like we had this a bit with Ian Holloway at Plymouth. Um, Mm. in that we were fourth or something in the what's now the championship and he left in the middle of the season to go to um Leicester City who were near the bottom of the championship but nominally a much bigger team and the fans couldn't believe he'd made that decision was it a move, was it one of those kind of moves down but to a bigger club that he made when he went to West Brom or well,
0: I think when he went to West Brom, I think he'd he'd all because I think he came to us from Warsaw, maybe. I think that's where he'd been before before us, or, or, or it's either Warsaw or or, um, or Kettering. And so I think he had designs. If look, if I can't get the club into the into the Premier League, you know what I mean? I'm 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 going to have to try it elsewhere. Yeah. So he went, and it was it was huge. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if he thought that West Brom would just be a bigger club, I mean bigger money. Um and we kind of we I'd say we were, you know, we were rivals at the time. Grimsby Town and, and West Brom were 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 rivals. I remember I remember it, it being like front page of the paper for about a week and a half. Like his face being on the front page of the paper for about a week and a half. Um but yeah, he he, he basically moved there and got he well, he didn't get promoted with them. Obviously they weren't, you know, happy with him, so he comes um, he comes crawling back, but it was it, it was genuinely. I remember at the time people being really upset and like pissed off that he'd gone. I'd be like, "How oh, can he?" I mean, I, this is his team. I mean, look, look what we've achieved. We're yeah. the was so close, and I think he just thought that West Brom might be a, a you know the bigger setup, the bigger stadium, bigger fan base might might be his
2: option to, to to get into the top league. I never quite understand that kind of mentality of a fan when they yeah. can't believe that someone's left for a bigger club, and you're like, well. This is their job. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no. at the end of the day. But you don't think
3: like that as a kid, do you? You've no, no, no you- not as a
0: kid. But-, but even adults, though, they're like, oh, I can't believe he's gone there. Yeah. We well, can't believe he's gone to a, a bigger company for more money. <laughs> like, <laughs> with probably more promotional hopes on the rise. Yeah. yeah, it's really weird that, that he's, he wants to be loyal to Kevin from Freeman Street. Yeah. <laughs> um. So
2: then, is Brian Law's replacement? So did, did Bernetti come in? under buckley or did he come in under laws he came in under i think
0: he came in under um, brian laws um we we had to basically he was owned by a management company so he was like the original tevez and mascherano and he he basically it was a hundred thousand pounds that the the players uh, the the fans had to kind of like raise so we had to raise a hundred thousand pounds in order to basically Buy him at the club. But
2: the fans had to raise. Yeah, yeah. and The club
0: made it made it pretty obvious that they didn't have that kind of money. Um, signed in, I think it was 94, 95 that he, that he brought in. So how did the and fans say, raise it? Literally by going around pubs with buckets. By <laughs> like, and I, I wish this was a joke. There's a, there's a pub called The Exchange on Bethlehem Street in Grimsby. And I remember leaving this is it must be like 94 95 where um i, le- I just left because i'm a choir boy i was a choir boy back in the day and so i left choir practice choir even song at 6 15 okay and then went round to the bit where the cars are parked which was by the exchange and there was ivano bonetti outside the pub like with a few grimsby town like employees just like people shaking buckets outside the pub and him not looking over the moon of being there. Do you know what I mean, almost as like he's being sold. And then people, oh, Ivano, stay in Grimmysbury, mate. It's the best fish in the world. And all that. I'm just putting like notes and coins in this bucket. So they were just like taking him around pubs wow. in order to raise money. Was That's like rap- amazing. Raffle tickets, shirts behind bars being sold, you know. So it was, it, it, and he put a little bit of his own How money good? in there as well.
2: I'd not heard of him. What? Like, no, I know. I heard of him when he played for Grimsby. Thank you. Yeah, but I wasn't. Like, was he a famous player? Was well, yeah, he,
3: he won the Serie A with Juventus in the 1986,
2: and he won it. Yeah, but Chris, was he a door? famous player before you did your research two days <laughs> yeah. ago?
3: I, but I don't know, because I felt like he was one of those players. You, you would have heard of. Do you know what I mean? Michael, but one thing, you know, you, like So would, obviously the big story is with Grimsby that he broke his cheekbone because a plate of chicken was thrown at him. And there's a whole chapter of his Wikipedia of, that is literally titled The Plate of Chicken Incident. And this comes up again and again. But what confused me is that, I spent the, today thinking, assuming that it was the chicken that broke his cheekbone. I was like, so it must have been a full chicken in in my mind. I realise now it was obviously the plate. That's <laughs> yeah, the plate yeah, it was the plate, yeah. <laughs> so why didn't they just say a plate? Why? Why is everyone in all these? It's more like, vivid. All the stories, it's more, it's more vivid, vivid, isn't it? Fine. It
0: was. It, I, I remember that incident where it was Were you on at the game. No, it was. It was looting away. I think. Right. Um, so, I, I the next day it was on all over the papers, and there's a picture of him with like stitches, and the, it was the plate of chicken. But it was just so funny that it was like it's a plate of chicken. Like it was just. I think it was it's just a more plate of chicken. It just gives more to the imagination, doesn't yeah. it? Do you know, what kind of chicken? Was it chicken fillets? Was <laughs> it chicken chicken wings? And I've never got to the bottom of that, and I've always wanted to know. And I, in my head, I think it's chicken wings that have been given after yeah, a game. Also, is. Well, why is there a plate of chicken in the dressing room after a game?
3: That's no, nice. But that's... if you look in the pictures of him after the incident, um, he has got a drumstick coming out of his
2: ear, and there is <laughs> great, there's gravy coming down his chin. You really no, zoom in. I don't... So... He was in the dressing room after the game. You'd lost <laughs> yeah. 3-2 to Luton.
3: Yeah, so you'd lost 3-2, but the month before you'd beaten them 7-1. So this is why he was yeah, really yeah, angry. Yeah. It's like you'd smashed them a month before and now you've just lost it.
2: And he threw it at his face and broke his cheekbone. I,
0: I, I think I think Brian Laws had something in for Bonetti anyway, right. even though Benetti was just was throwing balls in left, right and centre on that, on that left-hand side and, and, and scoring goals. And again, you know, I hadn't heard of him before he got here, but the fact yeah. that this, this guy who, you know. And why was he coming to Grimsby? Like, I don't know. Like- Absolutely no fucking idea why he came to Grimsby. <laughs> it's so weird. And to this day, I still don't know why he turned up. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But there he was outside the exchange with two people with buckets, shaking like they were collecting money for the R and the And you just kind of, what? Like you used to play for Juventus and Sampdoria. Why are you in Grimsby?
3: Like I being,
0: like being sold off.
3: But he was in Sampdoria. He played for Sampdoria until ninety three. So like two yeah. years later, he's at he's at Grimsby.
0: It was he had a couple of teams. like did we sign him from um, Brescia or Torino? I think he went to Brescia or,
3: then Torino. Yeah, and then Grimsby. So we
0: we we we'd got him from we you know. So it's like it was still pretty warm. Do you know what I mean? Like the chicken, that um, that you know that he he'd done played at such a high level. Syria, ad ah, twice. And he was like, what is this guy doing here? But I think, I think Brian Laws, had lean for him, and I don't know why, but yeah, he loved this plate of chicken. It went everywhere. I just remember it. And I knew it was a big story when um, they think it's all over. They did a big thing on it. And I was like, well, this is it. We Grimsby have made it. Do you know I mean? I'm still,
1: <laughs> We've made I still, like,
0: this is it. We're getting talked about. Nick Hancock's talking about us. Roy McGrath's talking about us. You know, <laughs> this is, this is big. You know I mean, he's, so Brian Laws essentially put us on the map really so we've got a lot to thank him for. Does Brian Laws keep the job? Brian <laughs> Laws does keep the job. Brian Laws is was is was player manager at the time as well I think. Then left Grimsby to go to Scunthorpe as I think just a player. So that was a weird thing as well like we Brian Laws was was he played for Grimsby and then he became player manager and then after that he went to Scunthorpe to just be player.
1: Oh <laughs> and wow. then
0: and then manager, so it was it was it was re- really really weird. But yeah, Brian was yeah. I mean, we had a, we, yeah, He only really managed, um, I think, uh, a season and a half for us. Yeah, you know, He's his tenth in the off.
3: tenth in the first season, seventeenth in his second season, and by ninety seven he relegated you from Division One and out the door go Mendonca, John Oster. God, yeah.
0: Was that it for Beretti? Uh Yeah, he left to go to Tranmere after us. I I think it came out in the Even Telegraph that he wanted to come back, but not under the current regime, whether that be yeah. manager or, or, or staff. And um but yeah, it was like a really weird time in our kind of like we we'd done so well under Alan Buckley and then Brian Laws came in and it looked like we were going to do alright we brought in Ivano Bonetti going oh, bloody hell this is going to be alright and then it literally the plate of chicken was the downfall of this football club really
3: and, and then the chicken handed in a transfer request didn't it of course that was <laughs> and then it, it, it,
0: crossed, it crossed the road straight after <laughs> hey,
3: <laughs> you
0: can
2: edit that out if you want <laughs> that's that's patron <laughs> <laughs> That's the extra Patreon yeah. bit right there, Michael.
0: He basically, when he signed for Grimsby as well, he was like, guys, can you sign my mate, um, Enzo Gambaro? And they were like, apparently, like, oh, we haven't really heard of him. And like, well, honestly, he's really good. Oh, no. So it was very much a George Ware's cousin situation yeah. where we basically signed Enzo Gambaro and he played one game, I think uh, 20 minutes he played, Leicester away, and then that was it. But if you, again, if you like, I was researching it earlier, he'd played for like Sampdoria, AC Milan, Napoli, Fiorentina. And then he come to Grimsby, apparently absolutely abysmal, played 20 minutes at Leicester and then just left the next day. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so what's gone on there? I, I think it was literally just Ivano going, oh, it's a bit lonely here. Yeah. Do you mind signing me mate? Um... <laughs> Another
3: bucket down the exchange. Yeah. yeah, literally
0: down the Eckage. I mean, buckets out lads. We've signed another lad, Enzo this time.
2: So, um, that's, yeah, he, he, that's he, a kind of mad thing though, isn't it? That if your fans have chipped in to buy a player, like if he hadn't been that good, there's a hell of a lot of pressure on the club to make his transfer work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: A hundred percent. And I, th- I think it did work for, you know, for, a, for, for, for a fair amount. And, um, you, you do not to get too nostalgic, but you do wonder what would have happened had that incident not happened and where we'd be now. I know it's so stupid to refer to the, like the plate of chicken incident and everything that went around there, but you you do wonder like, could we be in the premier league now? Do you know what I mean?
2: I think that's a bit far, but yeah. Fuck (laughs) fuck you. (laughs) fuck you. So buckles comes back and you're fine with him having gone to Westbrook. i think that's the, the weird it's a bit like clinsman going back to spurs isn't it or whatever you soon yeah. forget those kind of annoyances yeah with those kind of situations i think
0: it, it was it was when he came back and again I, I kind of remember this vaguely but it was like he'd never been away it was you know like when yeah. like a, a dad has an affair with someone but the parents have decided to just look, look it's fine he went yeah. off <laughs> but we're never gonna mention it again. Okay. Yeah. And you're just never allowed to mention the fact that this father went off for like a three-week fling with a secretary. It's like, no, we're doing it for the good of the family. He's back. We'll never mention it again. That was what it was like when Alan Buckley came right, out, yeah. really. And we've just been relegated to Division Two. Um, but I mean, talk about the return of the Messiah straight back up first season, 97, 98. Brought some brought some good lads with him. Um, and the likes like Kevin Donovan, he brought back and Paul say, like, Groves, Paul Groves, Paul Skiffy. Groves, Jesus Christ, Paul Groves, what an absolute player he was. Um, and that team, do you know what I mean? I think uh, in, in goal, we had it was Aidan Davidson in goal, Kingsley Blackley, Nogan, it was like a really like Wayne Burnett, Wayne Burnett oh, really? scored the golden a, goal. Play for um, Wayne Burnett. Lovely, uh, lovely bloke Wayne Burnett. Now uh, under twenty one's academy manager. No, under twenty one's academy manager at Spurs. But yeah, he came back, uh, and we we went to Wembley twice in in, in four weeks. Won the John's uh, auto windscreen um, final uh, against uh, Bournemouth. Bournemouth, yeah. So did you go to that? I went to yeah. I went to both of them actually. Yeah. Oh, what
2: was uh, that like one, going to Wembley twice and? in a month did you know oh no because the second time's playoffs so you don't know you're going again when no. you're first going to Wembley if that makes sense right
0: yeah so we we'd gone there and it was all good and it was like oh we're still in contention you know for for getting to the playoff final so it was yeah we just didn't know what whether, whether we were going to go back and you know we did and bloody hell absolutely incredible absolutely
2: incredible can I just digress for a secs? I know this is this is the ultimate digression. Do you think it's worth sponsoring that trophy? One hundred percent. How much business is that bringing in, or do you think it is a good? I suppose it is a way that your name is out there. Like we all know what the names of that trophy are, even though it's not even a very big competition. I, I,
0: I would go so far as to say that I have used auto windscreens in the past. Yeah. not It's not something that I wanted to use, but I've used them. I don't think I've used LDV vans. No. Uh, I've, I've definitely used Johnston's paint in the past. Um, Papa John's, 100% definitely John's used them. Is now, isn't
3: it? Yeah, but one thing I thought about Papa John's, obviously the, the Wembley, do you know what happened recently? The Papa John's final wasn't played last year. So, was this year? Like, so this year they played the Papa John's final for the cup of last year on like the Saturday, and then this season's Papa John's final was on the Sunday. Yeah. So, so like S- uh, Salford had it for a week, didn't they? A day had it for
2: day. A, day, a night.
3: They had it for a night. And the other thing that Papa John's is like because the when the Wembley Bowl is empty. Why don't and it's sponsored by Papa John's? Make the lower bowl look like a pizza. I
2: mean. <laughs> What are you doing? If you don't, if you pass up that opportunity, you've wasted your sponsorship. You know what? Also, because you're not getting the crowds in and out, wouldn't it have been more fun to play those games back to back? Like so that they there was literally thirty minutes between them. That would have been so much more fun. 30 or, seconds, him
0: Sanitise the trophy. <laughs> let's go, <we laughs> get tri- tri- going. Put, put
2: four goals on the
3: pitch, and <laughs> there you go. like all four teams have to try and like have all the yeah. matches happen at once.
2: I think that would be good, and we've we've discussed this actually. The the change of the rules, and but uh, this has
0: this has happened in in other competitions though. When Grimsby got to the, we, we actually did Wembley twice in one season a few years back. When we did the uh, conference playoff final, and then we played in the. Papa John's or whatever it's bloody called, or the football Vars. No, the Vars, it was the FA Vars. We played Halifax, but we'd been promoted the week before, beaten Forest Green, absolutely shit-faced. Like the players just went out for like three or four days, maybe had two training sessions Thursday, Friday, and then played at Wembley again on the Sunday against Halifax. Lost, obviously, 1-0 because they'd been shit-faced. But there'd been a game previously that day. I think Hereford had played someone else in maybe whatever is lower than the FA Vars. Like oh, wow. what is lower than the what is lower than the FA bars? What is he, I don't even know what trophy it was. No. I mean I was absolutely leathered as well, but um, <laughs> we'd won a trophy and other people had played previously that day as well. So oh, wow. it, it, it,
3: it can Does happen. happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, your man of the match when you won the Football League trophy uh, was John McDermott. Who John McDermott six hundred and forty seven appearances played only played for Grimsby for twenty yeah. years. Oh that, wow. incredible. What
0: an absolute boy he is, right back, and he—he he, he, from Middlesbrough, I think, came in and was just. John, I don't know, was just part and parcel of Grimsby Town. Like I, I don't know, you know, like the Queen's gone through a number of prime ministers. He has gone through so many managers. <laughs> he has gone through so many managers. At, at and Is he always?
2: That must that like to never really see another right back for twenty years. <laughs> I don't even think he got injured. That's the she, thing. I, don't, I literally don't think he got injured well you, at all. If you kind of divide that by twenty years, six hundred and forty-seven appearances, he's making over thirty appearances a year. So that's at least three quarters. That's three quarters of the games, really. That's hell of an achievement, isn't it? He was
0: Mister Grimsby. Like he's called, you know, he was just called. He was called Macca, and then we have got another goalkeeper in recently called um, James McEwen, and everyone's calling him Macca. It's like, oh, you can't, you can't call him Macca. There's like... They've retired the nickname. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, instead of the number, No, don't know, no, we've retired the name Macca. Like, you can never <laughs> use it again. It's bad luck. Um, but he was, just, he was just a stalwart. Do you know what I mean? He came in through the YT uh, scheme at Grimsby, just countless Player of the Year awards, year in, year out. It's mad.
3: Like it's His debut season is 1986, 1987, and his last yeah. season, 23 games in the 2006, 2007 yeah. season. So yeah. That is... Like you can't believe that someone would stretch across that amount of time. There's there's such different worlds. And what was really
0: upsetting as well is that he was he was he was treated really badly towards the end of his career. He's got a book. He's got a book called um, I think it's called Black and White or it's not all black and white. Towards the end of it, he's like he was on I think maybe six hundred and fifty quid a, a week, and he'd been there for twenty years. He was on six hundred and fifty quid a week, and then basically he's got to, in to his get l- an
2: agent. He's got to get a better
0: agent. <laughs>
3: In 2006, come on. In his
0: in his last year, the uh, the chairman goes, I oh yeah, John, we'll, we'll give you 150 quid a week. How about that?"
3: Oh my god, that's unbelievable!
0: And he's like, "I don't think I, I, I've just won Player of the Year." <laughs> oh god, like that is why we're still very much in the nineties. He, he 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 was literally there through thick and thin, and um, he put in a transfer request. I think maybe three or four years before the end to go to Hull, and then that's when the the chairman was like. Fuck you, John McDermott, and it's like, mate, he's done oh so much for this club. Let him have a payday, like Huller on the up. Let him have a payday. So, um, but yeah, he, and he scored some absolute screamers as well. I remember him scoring a goal against Dagenham and Redbridge about a thirty-five yard screamer, and just it was just it was just a very good right back. And, and is he still involved? No, sadly not, because of the old situation with the current um, chairman, who hopefully is on the way out. Um, but he's, he, yeah, I think he wants to be involved and stuff. But there was a time where we had him uh, right back, and then Gary Croft left back. I mean, ultimate nineties, you know, Grimsby Town footballer Curtains played at Blackburn. First <laughs> yeah, yeah, footballer yeah. to play. First footballer to play football with a tag on his ankle. Do you know what I mean? What oh, more what do you they? want? From a left back. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him going to Blackburn, Gary Croft. Yeah, Yeah. £1.6 million we sold him for. And then we went down the next season.
3: But it's it's funny you say John McDermott scored some amazing goals. Because I was just looking like 647 league games, but only 11 goals in 20 years. 11 goals in 20 years. 647 games. That feels like a poor return.
0: Yeah, but there were great. Did you not hear me? There were great goals, Chris. Each and every (laughs) one of them.
3: The goal, of win,
0: goal of the month, Goal of the season, do you know what I mean? Like, he <laughs> would score from the halfway line. Sometimes we'd take the goal kicks and score from there. You know I mean, he was two unbelievable
3: goals. So the second time, when you went back to Wembley over the playoff final against Northampton, you were there too? Uh,
0: I was there too. I went with my other cousins. Uh, well, actually, my same cousins are actually from Northampton. Um, so went there and that was uh, Kevin Donovan. Only goal, second half, is that right? Or first half? It was one nil one no, yeah, Kevin Donner in the second half, I think.
2: Um, like how old have you been in then? About uh, I'd been, been thirteen. Fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. Fourteen so I would have been. That must have been so exciting. That's peak
3: supporting, isn't it?
0: But I went I went with a load of the first time I went with um I went with like my like family friends, so the McKenzie twins, who were like my mum's friends. And it was just great. We went in this like space cruiser, which was a new experience for me um if i'm being brutally honest with like six men three little lads i think there's far too many people in the car for the size of the car but it was the 90s it was a different time wasn't it it, was, it just felt like a proper i felt like a, a man that day do you know what I mean even though yeah. it was like, you know child's ticket but felt like a proper lad one of the guys needed a wee so um he had to go and do it in his daughter's Pat lunchbox in the in the back compartment and then it was just like Fun and frolics by breaking intermittently, and he weed all over his trousers. Stuff like that,
2: lads. You know what I mean? Really yeah. good. The um, stuff that makes you love being a Grimsby Town fan. Exactly. The smell of piss.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was just. I mean, it, I, I, have, I have to say though, looking back at it, like it, I didn't really take it in. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, it was great going to Wembley and obviously going to the old Wembley, but I didn't really soak it in as well as I think I would do um, now. But I mean, amazing experience, and you know, not yeah. many people can say they've seen their team twice at Wembley. Was
3: that the best four weeks of your Grimsby supporting life? I would say no. I would actually
0: say that when we when we got promoted from the conference up to the um, up to the back to the, the League Two was probably the best four weeks because we did it against all the odds. We were like went to Braintree. We lost one nil at Braintree. Uh, to Braintree at home in the first leg of the playoffs, and then we went back and we pulled it back within like minutes to spare. Got to the final, beat Forest Green three one. And I'm, next time, well, next time I do go to Town versus Forest Green, I will be chanting "meat, meat, meat!" Alert, okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's it's it is mad though that it was such a glorious period. So then you're in the championship. So how long were you up there? And why does Alan Buckley leave for the second time? Um, I don't know why he left for the second time.
0: Where did he go? I, I think he went to Lincoln. Um, I think he he got relieved of his duties. He basically right. was sacked. And we didn't really do that well. We, there was a lot of boardroom changes, like various different chairmen taking over. And it was being... The, the club were like being passed around various people. And then... They brought in uh, Lenny Lawrence after Alan Buckley. And we did, like, we we beat Liverpool in the Worthington Cup. I mean, so we had like a decent stint there, Phil Jevons scoring an absolute thirty yard screamer. I, yeah, and and then it just it went downhill from there. We we tried to sign some big players. Can you remember the, the defender Zhang Enwar, Chinese defender? No, again, very but like we signed him, David Nielsen, um oh god, the Dutch guy, um, Foster Vold. Anyway, uh, no, Norwegian guy um, who then went on to be a cyclist. Very, very niche uh, Grimsby trivia there, but um, yeah. And then we just, then we just became utterly shit, and got taken over by a bloke who was very good at selling fish, but shit at running a football club. And then we then, then the next thing, you know, it's um, we're, we're playing Brain Tree. In the conference, and we're third bottom of the conference football conference. So, like the the end of the nineties was like the end of when Grimsby were last properly good.
3: It was like it looked like the ITV digital collapse in two thousand three. That was you look at the line of where you were finishing in the league, and it just drops like a stone after yeah. two thousand three. And you've never oh, really true. you haven't been back in the second tier since ah. since then. Stuck. No, in. no, no. So, no. what do you want now? How have your ambitions changed? What do you really want from Grimsby now? What do you think is possible?
0: I th- I think, you know, you look at Wickham, I know that Wickham are in the Championship and they're, they're not doing very well, but, you know, they're, they're size-wise, you know, quite a small club. Obviously, they're close to London, but I think there's no arm in, in, like, ambition for Championship but linger around League One. I think that's,
2: you know... I think any club that's well-run who's in the Football League can get up to the Championship. Yeah. I think if you're well-run, you know, you look at the teams that rotherham or, or even lincoln or whatever do you know what i mean all these teams that it is possible if you're well run to yeah easily be a lower championship club i think if you're a, if you're a general club in the lower leagues i think
0: i think if you look at some of the clubs in you know that some of the clubs that were in the same division as us when the collapse of itv digital this some of them are doing really well now i think with the exception of maybe stockport who are in in, in the league below us but you know it's as you say, Josh. Like just having someone that knows what they're doing, you'll be absolutely fine. You'll be absolutely fine. But you know, looking at some of the teams that are lower in the championship, you know, you you look at someone like uh, no no, this is you know, like you've obviously got Wickham in there. Um, but actually, to be fair, they're all pretty good at the moment. But yeah, Wickham's actually, a good
2: example of a team. Wickham's, yeah, run yeah. Barnsley,
0: really well. Barnsley, are fifth in the championship at the moment. So, I mean, again, had the their team, turn.
2: Do You know get what I mean term, you've had your yeah. fun of being good in the nineties for one year. get back before we finish um skull did find two photos he was interested in
3: yeah well th- so i understand your your fans are known for bringing in inflatables into the ground specifically yes. you blow up fishes called Harry haddock. there's an Harry amazing haddock, picture yeah. of like all your the grimcy fans of way windward in the late eighties with just hundreds maybe thousands of- bl- inflatable um Harry Haddock's is that yeah. so? Is that that's a big thing at Grimmsby?
0: Yeah, so I, I think it was because I think eighty nine that photo was FA Cup. I think it was Keith Alexander who scored the winner against Wimbledon, and there was just this sea of inflatables. It was actually the it was the game um, at Exeter before where loads of people went with a load of um, bananas as well, inflatable bananas. And then for whatever reason, Grimsby just had this affiliation with just inflatables. So we've got these Harry the Haddocks, which then, you know, have had various different renaissance over the over the years. And like going to Wembley, we went to, we've been to Wembley about five or six times in the last ten years from various um different finals and what have you. And we would take thousands and thousands of inflatable fish with us and it's just become a thing it's just become a, a thing and then there was a bloke a football fan called ken meach who got strung armed out of forest greens ground like in a headlock for th- um for hitting a steward with an inflatable shark um, <laughs> We're
3: arrested he got
0: he got arrested it made the news and then we were like do you know what fuck you um so in a not in a, not as a protest but went to barnet away again we're still in the conference at this point we went to barnet and we took every single inflatable you could find So, every joke shop in grimsby and Cleethorpes were just sold out of inflatables <laughs> people buying also zimmer frames penises blow up dolls flamingos and for our third goal i think craig disley's third goal like a deflated shark basically was the assist for the goal. Oh,
2: like the <laughs> pepperino one.
0: Yeah, a bit like the pepperino one, but like it was just like it was just the pepperino one had like a bit of theatre about it. Do you know what yeah. I mean the ball was going there? Was it going out? The but whereas this was just like it's Barnet. We're in the conference. There's a half-inflated shark on the floor. It just looks so grim,
2: but we it helped us uh, helped us score. Are these inflatable fish are they? Is there any, are they being made especially? Is there a use for an inflatable fish in other walks of life? Um, I like, don't think so, though. No. If you've got 10,000 inflatable fish, they're being made for Grimsby fans, right? It's not like. They said, yeah, oh, they're all coming and taking the inflatable fish that we needed for the fancy no, dress party.
0: The, the first lot were actually rainbow trout, I think. And about seven or eight years ago, people were like, do you know what? We're actually using the wrong That's not a haddock. We're using, a tr- we're using a trout so someone's like, yeah we're actually using a trout instead of a haddock so we need to change it so actually <laughs> genuinely the haddock the fish changed i'd say 2015 to a haddock so a gray fish dark spots under its gills and then that became the new thing i've got one in my drawer actually behind me <laughs> i'm not even joking so um <laughs>
3: Uh, we're coming towards the end of the interview, and uh, like, I just want to say we, we've done lots of interviews around, like, and had to research a lot of clubs. I have never seen the amount of online resources for information about Grimsby Town. Like, it's incomparable how much yeah. stuff is out there. You must have a super fan who's going into Wikipedia, who's like creating lots of websites. There is so much information on anyone who played for Grimsby that everything that happened within your seasons. I have never, honestly, never seen anything like it. It's great,
0: isn't it? so there's it's very crazy. There's, there's a website called the Fishy. Did you go on that? I did, yeah. Yeah, the Fishy. That's that's the forum is quite scary, um, <laughs> and a few of them are not a fan of me, which is absolutely fine. Do you mean, freedom of speech and all that. lot. Like you're I,
2: I do you know what? I think you've got to be a fan of a person that's a fan of your team. I'm going to say it. Yeah, I think that <laughs> it gives you. You've got to have a loyalty in that. Have you yeah. not sold? Have you not sold well in Plymouth? No, you know, you
3: know. you know. <laughs> Come on, Pavilion. guys. Pavilion,
2: still 300 tickets yeah. left, guys. Um, <laughs> but do you have a loyalty to people who are fans of West Ham, Chris? Do you have feel I like ever told
3: you this? So, you know, there's a list of famous West Ham fans. Barack Obama's on it because apparently he went to a game and said, oh, I quite like West Ham. But um, I, did, I had an article in the programme and I said, um, of all the names on the list, like, I've, I've heard of everyone be associated with West Ham. But Noel Edmonds is meant to be a West Ham fan. I said, I've never seen Noel Edmonds at a game. And then word got to Noel Edmonds. I can't believe I haven't brought this up. <laughs> and uh, through the club, they—I got told Noel Edmonds wants you to know that he does come to games, but he did, like he doesn't like to shout about it. But oh, he is a big fan. On. Word came back to me via like oh, the woman wow. who runs hospitality. Noel Edmonds rang her up. That is oh, so yes, funny. the program. Yeah,
2: on that phone that he uses to ring the banker. <laughs> <laughs> he um, I,
0: when 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 I started doing a bit of TV and stuff, and people were aware of me, and there were threads on various Grimsby forums about who, who I was and that lot. And it's just quite funny. You get people going, well, I've never seen him at a Grimsby game. And they're going, well, yeah, because it, there's four and a half thousand people there, you fucking idiot. You know what I mean? And <laughs> you, you don't know who I am until now. And it's, I think they are going, well, I've never seen him. They're going, well, it's, it's a stadium, mate. Do you know what I mean? You sit in one's place, you go to the same, like, it's just ridiculous. So, but I, I would genuinely hate it. If someone won X Factor next year and they were from Grimsby, and then became more famous than I, and then they're, and then they're the most famous Grimsby person, like me and Thomas Turgoose constantly take the piss out of each other about who is the more famous Grimsby Town fan. And um, Have you I do like
2: going on the pitch and stuff at half time or any of that kind of stuff. Mate, uh, right? So
0: Easter Monday nineteen, uh, Easter Monday two thousand, I think it was. Uh, I sang on the pitch, mate. Oh, wow. I sang on the pitch uh i don't know why but the club basically emailed our choir st james grimsby parish church the absolute bad men represent and they said look would the choir be up for coming and singing before the grimsby town versus sheffield wednesday game and i was like let's obviously not do that that'd be ridiculous and then the choir master was like well yeah no it'd be great really good profile for the choir i was like oh my god so we sang uh three songs we sang um the National Anthem, which was really weird. Then we sang Jerusalem, which is just not really associated wow, with quite football. What
2: a set list, isn't it?
0: And then we sang a choral arrangement of, we only sing when we're fishing. <laughs> uh, basically goes, we only sing when we're fishing, sing when we're fishing. We only sing when we're fishing. That's it. We did it for two and a half minutes, just in a round, just kept oh, going wow. around. How many of you
2: a- are there in this choir, About.
0: At 20, 25, 30, and I was there. And my mates are all there, and they're all chanting, oh, who's the fat prick in the blue? Oh, who's the fat prick in the blue? Oh, like, we're wow. all wearing blue because we're all in cassocks. Anyway, it's obviously me. So, yeah, so I've done the pitch thing. I've, um, I've hosted the Player of the Year Awards quite a few times. I've actually played in a game, a testimonial game, at Blondell Park where... I was one of only two players that weren't Grimsby Town footballers. Me and Thomas Turgis got invited and we played against, you know, actual the actual Grimsby Town first team in a testimonial game. And what's so. the
2: level like there? Do you feel
0: like you're completely out of your depth? Oh god, yeah. JJ Hooper, and I think he's at Bromley now, I had a one-on-one with him. He hit it. I saved it. I literally couldn't move my head for 2 weeks. It was so he hit it so hard. I was just walking like with a crooked neck. I mean, like, he, I mean they do hit him a lot harder at that level, don't they? <laughs> I got lobbed three times. It was embarrassing.
2: Oh, so now we see why you've got such a chip on your shoulder about goalies being accused of being lobbed. Fuck Um, you. (laughs) Chris, uh, we always
3: end with the same question, don't we? Lloyd, if you could wind the clock back to the 1st of January 1990 and relive this glorious decade for Grimsby all over again, would you?
0: 100%.
2: I'm, I've never known a club where that answer is easier.
0: The, the 90s were our best years. Yeah. I mean, like, I long for the 90s. I mean, I want to go back and ask Ivano Bretti, why the fuck are you here, mate? What is going on? <laughs> I'd love to go back to 1996 and go, do you know what, lads? Let's not have chicken at Luton tonight. Do you know what I mean? Let's have marshmallows.
3: <laughs> but on the 1st of January, 1990, Norman Lamont is your most famous fan. So you'd have that to contend
2: with
0: ah oh, that's absolutely fine i'll take that i'll yeah. take that i'll buy his book
2: he didn't have a great 90s um lloyd griffith it's been an absolute pleasure thank you
0: no thanks for having me on he's a, a big fan of the podcast so um it's, it's been an absolute honor
2: Lloyd Griffith, there we are. That was that's what this podcast is, really, isn't it? <laughs> no, right up our street. A few, um,
3: a few shocking revelations to come out of that you'd met Peter Schmeichel, and it hasn't come up on here.
2: Yeah, I know, but yeah. th- that's mad, isn't it? He had so little impact on me because <laughs> you've got to remember doing League of Their Own. Like it would have been when I was much newer, so it was quite a, like scary prospect quite intimidating prospect when you're new and so I mean I don't want to slam your mate Michael he didn't rip it
4: (laughs) yeah but I think
2: I think a he's not expected to
4: B no that wouldn't be the reason that you'd remember him I would think it's the fact that it's Peter Schmeich I wouldn't like meet David Byrne and go he wasn't very funny so I don't remember
2: meeting him no 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 I'd go Josh guess who I met did I tell you about when I did Mock the week with Tim Flowers? He absolutely <laughs> brought it. That's the thing. Like, some of the scenes he'd like to see were so funny. Um, <laughs> That's By
3: the way, that is not the worst criticism of Peter Schmeichel on this podcast, that he was bad on a panel he show. Was...
2: No, he was bad on a panel show. <laughs> now, yeah. before we go, I've got a Match magazine in front of me because we're recording our patreon special episode this month which is a look back classic football magazines that we loved in the 90s and along with that on patreon.com you get 15 minutes extra on each episode you get quarterly merch you get the steve bruce episode each month you get all the zoom shows etc 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 where do you find it chris
3: If you want to join our Quickly Kevin fan club, make your way over to patreon.com forward slash Quickly Kevin. All the new stuff, all the exclusive stuff, all the old live shows and our upcoming live broadcast too. They're all there. Just get yourself over and sign up at patreon.com forward slash quicklykevin. That's it for this week. We'll be back on Friday for Patreon subscribers, but Monday for everyone else with a brand new episode. Until then, Robbie Slater. See you later.